Welcome everybody to week number two of Your Why is Your Way. Today's message is titled Your Money, Your Sex, Your Power. So parents right there from the get-go, as you can see from the title, you might just want to be cautious about little ones being in the room. Context. We often talk about this, that context is everything. It is so important to take things in context. The first 11 chapters of the Bible far too often have been taken out of context. Nobody likes to be taken out of context. I know something happened to me a number of years ago. We were doing a series called Smoking Hot and we had put out a mailer about that. And so a local newspaper outlet or online resource, I can't remember which one. I don't remember the name of it. They contacted me by the phone. They called and they said, hey, can you talk to us about your series? And I told them it's based on the Song of Solomon, which is considered by some people to be the holy of holies in the Bible. It presents to us the beauty of romance and the eyes of God. God lays out this roadmap for us to have a magnificent romance, a magnificent marriage. And I'm talking to the guy all about this. I didn't know what he wrote down. I didn't see the piece. So I get a call from Channel 9 News here in D.C. And they want to come out and do a video shoot with me about the series. And the reporter comes out, he starts asking me all these questions and they're all focused on sex. And I'm like, what is, why is he asking me these questions? I'm talking about the Song of Solomon and the beauty of romance. And that was, you know, the whole thing. I couldn't understand it. And I asked him after the interview was over, I said, hey, where did you hear about this? Or why were you asking me those questions? He said, oh, uh, we got it all from this online resource that interviewed you online. I said, oh, okay, thank you very much. I went in, t- pulled it up, and I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh. They took everything I said out of context. They turned it into just sex. And they put in there, there's a piece about a pastor in Texas who was sleeping on the top of his church with his wife to draw attention that people need to have sex more often. I'm like, oh no, that's not anything of what I meant. And when Channel 9 did the piece with me, the anchor led by saying, A local pastor says there's not enough boom boom in the bedroom. I kind of like the line, but that's not what I was saying. They took me completely out of context and nobody likes that to happen. When you take the first 11 chapters of the Bible out of context, some really bad things can happen. Misogyny, slavery, they're justified. People have tried to justify them from these magnificent chapters in the Bible by twisting them, taking them out of context, hierarchy, pushing people down. All kinds of things have been done because we take it out of context. Now, we don't want to do that. We want to put these chapters in context. And we've been moving very, very slowly through Genesis. And today, we're going to spring forward a little bit. We're going to look at a little bit from Genesis chapter 3, and then we're going to come cover Genesis chapters 4 and five today in just a piece of chapter six. It is saying to us, and again, this is where we're going and your why is your way. And we began last week by talking about that great quote from Mark Twain, two most important days in your life, the day you're born and the day you find out why, why you're born. The chapter that changed the world in the Bible is Genesis chapter 12. It changed, it transformed the world. God says to Abraham, go to yourself. Now, what is God saying there? He's saying, Abraham, go to your true self. What is, what is Abraham's true self? We're in the image of God. We're to reflect the light of God. We're not to reflect darkness. We're to reflect the life of God in the world. We're the light of the world, Jesus says. We're to reflect it. That's our true self. To not reflect our false self. 
So those are, those are some of the most famous words in the Bible to Abraham that shaped the world. And this is where, that's our goal line. That's what we're headed towards. Who are we truly called and meant to be by God made in the very image of God? And these chapters from three to six really talk about two different ways we can go. That's what it's setting up for us. There are two ways to go. Here we go. We get started. Genesis chapter three, verses eight and nine. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. This is right after they've eaten the fruit of the tree. They hear God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to them, where are you? So God calls out, where are you? And like any great teacher, God doesn't, God knew what took place. He doesn't make an accusation. He asks a question. He wants them to discover. He wants them to examine themselves. You're hiding. You're filled with shame. You're filled with fear. What have you done? You want to think about it. You want to reassess your priorities, your independence from me rather than your dependence. You're reaching for something and finding that you have fallen short. Do you want to re-examine yourself? This is the very first conversation that is ever had with God. This is the very first time they become aware of God's presence. It is right here. It wasn't till they realized their need for God that they became aware of God. We are never going to realize our need for God and reach out for God and be dependent upon God until we realize that we have a deep need. It is that moment when they are needy for God that they become aware of God for the very first time. Let's read on. Genesis chapter four, verses one and two. Now the human, speaking of Adam, knew Eve, his wife, and she became pregnant and bore Cain. She said, I have gotten a man as has Yahweh. She continued bearing his brother Abel. Now I drew this from Everett Fox's translation of the Hebrew Bible. There are very, very few places in the Bible where maybe it would help for us to go to this more direct Hebrew translation so we can catch the nuance. Again, Hebrew is written with consonants only, no vowels. And so sometimes it can be really tricky to capture the meaning of what's going on. But between the name of Cain and what Cain's name means, which I'll get to in a second, and what is being said here, translations of Genesis chapter four have Eve saying it is with the help of God. So it really seems that she is saying, oh God, I really need you to help me. I, I, a thankfulness that is there, a dependence upon God that is there. But the name of Cain and also the way the Hebrew comes across I'm not sure it's totally accurate. So this is one of the places where we have been saying it's so important to study the Bible and not read the Bible. So you see right here in Everett Fox's translation, who does a great job of capturing the Hebrew, he's a Hebrew scholar, says, she says out of her own mouth, I have gotten a man as has Yahweh. In other words, I've done it too. God created a man. Now I've created a man. Then she calls Cain Cain, and the name means to possess. It is a name of power. It's a pride. I've done it. And this is who Cain is going to be. And as an afterthought, the brother Abel, which means nothing. So Cain means I possess it. It's mine, power, pride, and might. And Abel means nothing. I am nothing. It's the exact opposite of Cain. We don't see Adam here in the picture at all. He impregnates Eve and then he falls away and she does the naming and she takes center stage right here. 
These two names are so important. You have one that is possessing and one that is releasing. That's Abel. You have one that is pride and power, and you have one that is humble and kind. One, it's my way, and the other, it's our way. There's two opposites seen here, two opposites way. Particularly, this is seen in their occupations. Maybe you've read these opening chapters before and you see how big of a deal their occupations are. You have a a farmer and you have a shepherd. And maybe you've asked yourself why. I always said, well, okay, thank you for letting me know that, but does that have any meaning? And now it's become so clear as I have read this very carefully, it means a lot that one is a shepherd and that one is a farmer. Genesis 4.2, now Abel kept the flocks, the shepherd, and Cain worked the soil. I want you to think back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 and the two creation stories. In Genesis chapter 1, we are created in the image of God and we're called to rule over nature, to rule over that animal instinct that might makes right, survival of the fittest. I'll do what I want if I'm strong enough to do it. We're to rule over that. Genesis chapter 2, we're made of dirt and divine breath, and that we can choose God's way or another way, the way of animal instinct. And what is the occupation in Genesis chapter 2? It is working the ground, literally to be a slave to the ground or a slave to nature. So you have Abel, who is ruling as a shepherd over the flocks, ruling over nature, ruling over animal instincts, right? And then you have, you have Cain, who is a slave to the ground, who is being ruled by nature, who is instinct only, who is power, who is might makes right. It's the Darwinian and the Nietzsche right here. Darwin, survival of the fittest. Now, Darwin, who was a minister's son, and was going to become a minister himself. And sometimes so much is made out of Darwin. He doesn't believe in God and evolution, all that stuff. But Darwin was so perplexed at why altruism, which is a direct opposite to power and survival of the fittest. Why does it survive? And why does humanity hold up in high esteem altruism when it's completely against survival of the fittest? Nietzsche, the will to power, the same thing. He says the world without God is just will to power. Everybody That's the animal instinct. We are called to rule over nature, rule over the animal instinct, to rule over that. And that's the two occupations there. That's why the Bible brings it out. So now we have a decision. We will, without instruction from God, always slide toward that human nature to be ruled by nature and animal might makes right instinct. And that makes it so clear. In the animal kingdom, there is the alpha male. If you're large, you're in charge. You do what you want. In a, in, in a pack, in a, in a pride, what you have is you have an alpha male. I was just reading about this recently. You have an alpha male come in. And they will kill all the cubs. They'll defeat the, the alpha male that was there before, just might makes right, get rid of him, then kill all the cubs to send all the female lions into heat because there's no justice there. It's just nature. You do what you want. If you have the power, you distribute the goods. If you have the power, you take the sex. It's your money, your sex, and your power. That's the way of Cain. Let's keep, let's keep reading here. Genesis chapter four. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord. Who told Cain to make a sacrifice? God didn't tell Cain to make a sacrifice. Cain institutes sacrifice himself. 
And Abel also, following his brother Cain, his older brother Cain, brought an offering, fat portions, and some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now you always know right there, if you're genuinely giving a gift and you want to make the person that you are giving the gift to happy and they don't like it, well, you don't get angry and upset unless you're really doing it for yourself. Verse six, then the Lord God said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Here it comes, everybody. It desires to have you, but you must rule over. You must rule over that animal instinct. You've got to put an end to that, Cain. You can't be a slave to those animal instincts. You've got to rule over it like Abel, your brother, you must rule over it. Proverbs 14 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So what way does Cain take? Well, first of all, he makes a big assumption here. He assumes what God wants, never asks what God wants. God never tells him what he wants. He assumes something. And like an alpha male doling out gifts, and we just have to take whatever the alpha male gives us, he doles out a gift to God that God should like. God says, no, there's something wrong with your gift. And we don't know exactly what's wrong with it. We just know that Abel gives something of the good portion, right? Seems like there's something much better, like it was a genuine giving there. And Cain gives what he wants. There's two different attitudes going on here. Psalm 24 verse 1 really sums it up here. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Is that your attitude? Is it your money, your sex, your power, I have to ask myself that. Am I being like Cain and it's mine? I'll do what, what, what I want with mine. And I think that's the attitude that came with his offering. And Abel, who is the person who's nothing, who releases, who is humble, gives in an attitude of thankfulness and gives what is best because it's all God's. As Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. So there's possessing and there's releasing two different ways. Look what verses eight and nine says of Genesis chapter four. Cain said to his brother, Abel, and then stop. Many of our translations fill that in. We say, and Cain said to his brother, Abel, come and join me in the field. Well, everybody, in the original Hebrew, and again, this is where we're studying, not reading. In the original Hebrew, it's not there. We don't have what he says. There's a dot, dot, dot. There's a, there's a gap. So in other words, he said something or he didn't say something. Or he just called them the field. But what it's pointing to is they never had a conversation. They never had a meeting of the minds. They never talked it out. Cain just let his anger and his animal instinct being ruled by nature, by Darwinian survival of the fittest, by Nietzsche's will to the power, just let it run wild. And what did he do in the field? Well, this is what he did. Then it was when they were out in the field that Cain rose up against his Abel, his brother, and he killed him. And Yahweh said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I the watcher of my brother? Well, brother is mentioned seven times in this chapter alone. We are brothers. We have all, we have all come from God. We all have a common ancestor. We are brothers and we should care and love for each other instead of rising up 
instead of, instead of taking from each other, instead of oppressing with our power, instead of using money, sex, and power in a way that dishonors God and dishonors other who have been created in God's image. We can't take the way of Cain that is ruled by nature to do that. We need instruction from God and we need to reflect his light. Just nature. Just nature is no justice. There's only power. You have the power so you control the goods and you control the sex when you're ruled by nature. Now I want to get into just genealogies because in chapter five, there's this genealogies and genealogies are just boring. I mean, I used to read these things and I'm like, why am I reading this? Can I just get past this stuff? Because it doesn't mean a thing. Oh, but not this genealogy. This is the first genealogy. You have two lines. You're going to have the line of Cain. Now, Abel's been murdered, so he's gone. You have the line of Cain, and then eventually Adam and Eve have another son, and his name is Seth. And this is very important. You get two lines. And what you read here, if you read it carefully and closely, it answers so many problems that are in our world. We can eliminate so much if we would just deal with God's magnificent word and what it instructs us to do. So I'd like to do that now. We see in this genealogy, let me just set it up for you. The names between Cain and Seth, so similar. Erad and Erad, Lamech and Lamech, Enoch and Enoch. They're almost identical in their names throughout. In Cain's line, he's the first city builder. He builds the first civilization. He, he create, his line creates art. His line creates music. His line works with metal and creates plowshares and swords. It's about power. It's about wealth. It's about possession. Seth's line is far more humble. Rather than doing these great glorious things, the men in Cain's line seek glory, power, and might. And Lamech, who is right in the middle of this, in the line of Cain, says something very interesting. So let me read to you from Genesis chapter 4, the line of Cain. Right in the middle of the line, these words are said by Lamech. Lamech said, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. Let me stop right there. Ada, you know what that name means? It means trophy. So Lamech took a trophy wife and Zillah, the other wife, her names mean shadow. He took a trophy and he took a shadow. Polygamy in the Bible is always presented to us in a bad light. It's not good. I can never imagine Krista ever saying to me, sure, why don't you take another wife? It is disrespectful. It brings dishonor and the Bible always presents it in a negative light. Lamech takes a trophy. Lamech makes another wife in dishonor and disrespect, degrading the crown of creation. The final completing work of creation live as a shadow. Then look what else he does. He says to his wives, I've killed a man. He's boasting. I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times excessive force, excessive brute force, excessive revenge. He is boasting. He's proud. He's filled with glory. He's filled with pride. He's taking women. He's using women, degrading women. And now he's just brutalizing people because he has the power to do so. That is the line of Cain. Now, here we go. Verse 25. Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God, now everything changes. Instead of Cain being, I did it, just like God, I did it, he's going to possess. Notice the change. 
named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son and he named him Enosh. At that time, notice this, people began to call on the name of the Lord. What does that mean? It means when you call on God's name, you're seeking to live in accordance with God's ways. God's mercy, grace, justice, not overpowering people, but being respectful of people. This is what it's saying up to reflect the light of God, not the darkness of this world, not to be ruled by nature. Seth begins to call on the name of the Lord. It means to reflect what I said earlier, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I am grateful for you, God, to be here. How can I honor what you have given in this world that would bring glory and honor to your holy name? Lamech is the alpha male. Lamech takes a harem. Lamech participates in polygamy. Women are not supposed to be mistreated. And in the Bible, what it's saying here is men left to their own natural ways, disregarding the instruction from almighty God will be oppressors. They will be people of violence and bloodshed. They will seek to use their power and their money and sex to degrade other people and to take what they want. You have two different lines being spoken of here, which is so, so important. Excessive force, excessive sex. Something about these two different lines, really important, everybody. The line of Cain, there's no death, there's no daughters. The line of Cain does not need women, it uses women. The line of Cain and the genealogy were given, there's no death, it's only glory, and there's no daughters. You only use women. They're not even mentioned. The line of Seth, the line that calls on the name of God. There is death and there are daughters. They are vital. They are very much a part. Which way will you go, light or darkness? The way of Cain or the way of Seth? This is what these two chapters are setting up for us. Now I want to read on. Genesis, just the first five verses of Genesis chapter six, and then we're going to be done. Look where it all ends up. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of human were beautiful. The sons of God, the line of Seth that were calling on the name of God. The sons of God saw the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. So they're just motivated by beauty, not character. Chose any, married any they chose. Verse three, then the Lord God said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. And the Nephilim were on the earth in those, those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children with them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. What's going on here? The line of Seth that was calling on God's name, that wasn't just taking, that wasn't just looking at beauty and saying, I'll take what I can get. All of a sudden they gave in to the ways of Cain and they too our only hope, people reflecting the image of God, have also now given into the ways of Cain. And they were acting as if they were ruled by nature and being brutal by force and just taking what they could get. They looked at beauty and they took instead of character, instead of God looking at the heart, they went the way of Cain. And they just started like Lamech, just chopping people down, men of renown, men of power, men of glory. They gave into all that and they started misusing power, misusing money and misusing sex. And verse five concludes it this way. The Lord God saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every, notice that, 
every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Everybody, now that this line of Seth has given way to the line of Cain and nobody's calling on God's name, everybody is just nature. Everybody is just survival of the fittest. Now the floodgates of hell open up and we are ready for the great story of Noah. But before we get into that, let's just conclude this where we are. God is saying there are two different paths, Cain and Seth. Will you be true to calling on the name of God and not giving up on that? Because if we don't, the world becomes filled with all kinds of evil. Men far too often have allowed ourselves, this is right in the Bible 3,000 years ago, setting up for us the importance of a man stepping up to be a man of honor in the eyes of Almighty God. It is men in the Bible and men throughout history that have done the bloodshed, have done the raping, have done the overpowering. And this is what it's giving voice to right in the opening chapters of the Bible. We want our world to be a place of light. And the Bible says, you as males, specifically as males, you must rule over that animal instinct. The Bible, for the most part, is an instruction to men who are being brutal, to other people, and especially women, the crown of all creation. And that is what this is dealing with. Cain's way is not God's way. It's a way of force. It's a way of power. Now, let me bring it home for us who are churchgoers. Let me bring it home for us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Because we can choose the way of Cain too. We can try by force and by threat move people in the right direction instead of, as Jesus says, be famous for love. Instead of by love, wooing people into that relationship with God, we succumb to the ways of Cain. How often have you heard hellfire and brimstone preaching? How often you've heard, unless you do this, you're going to burn in hell. The old saying, turn or burn, you better turn or burn. Instead of loving people, instead of calling on the name of God, instead of, as Jesus says, they will know you're my followers because of love. The Bible sets up this relationship with God as a marriage, everybody, all throughout the Bible. And then it culminates in the book of Revelation with this great wedding banquet where people come together, all kinds of people who've been brought together by love. You don't scare people into a relationship with God. You love people into a relationship with God. It's a wedding. It's a marriage. What if I went to my wife and I got down on my knee and I said, Krista, will you marry me? And if you don't, you're going to burn in hell. That's just not a very convincing proposal. She would have never said yes to that. Everybody, we cannot succumb as followers of Jesus Christ to the ways of Cain. We must follow the ways of Jesus of light, of life, and of calling on his name to be famous for love. Let me read you First John chapter 2. Excellent words here that sets up these two different ways so well. It's everything about what these chapters are about opening in the Bible. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's sex. The lust of the eyes, that's money. And the pride of life, that's power, comes not 
from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. There are two different ways, one by force and one by being thankful and grateful and by honoring God. Which path are we on? And particularly because Genesis 3, 4, and 5 is so much about men. Men, are you honoring God by the way you're living your life? And you come before God, you say, God, am I honoring you? Is it your sex, your money, and your power, or is it God's money, God's sex, and God's power? Money, sex, and power can be beautiful. It can be terrible. It can be magnificent. It can be miserable. It can be hurt. It can, it can bring hurt on or it can bring healing on. It can tear people apart. It can bring people together. It all depends. God is all for money, sex, and power. God is a hundred percent for money, sex, and power is just how do we treat money, sex, and power? Do we use these? Do we use these God's way? Do we use these in a way that brings honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ? Or do we use them by brute force in nature in the line of Cain? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There is a way that seems right to men, to men, but the end, it leads to death. And history proves that, that men misuse money, sex, and power. And the Bible speaks to that thousands of years ago. Don't do it. You dishonor God when you do. So everyone, today is communion. Perfect day for us to celebrate communion. All that Jesus Christ has done for us, greater love has no man than this. Then he lays down his life for his friends. It is the way of Seth, not the way of Cain. It is being ruler over nature, ruler over power, not being ruled by. You have those two ways being set up. Now, In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 28, it says that we should examine ourselves. And this is why I think and why I want to bring out the word examine so, so much here. We need to examine ourselves. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money, sex, and power. I want to encourage you instead to go before God during this time of communion and ask God, God, am I honoring you? with my money, with my sex, and with my power. Matter of fact, God, am I saying to you, actually, God, it's your money, it's your sex, it's your power. I seek to honor you. I seek to walk in your light. Am I doing that? Do I need to make an adjustment? And I think communion is the perfect time as we focus on Christ and we allow him to work in our hearts and our lives that he might bring adjustments that transform our lives and transform the lives of other people. So we are told the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, that he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. He released like Abel. He released himself to us. He didn't He didn't, as Philippians said, he didn't try to stay in heaven and hold on and grasp on to who he was. He released himself to us. And then we're told that he takes the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood that I give for you. I'd like to pray over the bread and over the cup and then let us eat and drink together. Almighty God, as we come before you, Jesus, and we examine our hearts, I ask God that you would help each one of us to walk in your light. That we would live in a way that these three important areas, money, sex, and power, that God, that we would treat them in a way 
that brings honor and glory to your name. And no longer would they be our money, our sex, and our power, but they would be yours. They would be yours. That your goodness and your light and your life would fill this entire earth in Christ's name. Amen. Let us eat and drink together. Pray with me in conclusion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the instruction of your word. It is so spot on. And if we receive it and apply it to our lives, we'll change the world. Help us to do so in Christ's name. Amen.